0: Am I starting? Hi, everyone. Nope, you're starting. <laughs> and welcome to episode 125 of the Professional Book Nurse podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hey, Jill. Adam. Hey, we're in the same room together. We're in the same room together. Same state. I know. Same
1: room. Very excited. It
0: is. Very exciting. Yeah.
1: So, how are you? How are you?
0: I'm great. <laughs> how are you? I'm
1: tired, but that's okay. It's a good tired. because so I got back from BEA. In New York City, where you were, but you were not at Day of Dialogue, which I know Day li- of
0: Dialogue.
1: I now know from listening to our previous <laughs> episode. I swing and a miss, Adam. That's okay. Yeah. I have one thing to talk about, though. Yeah. So, first off, New York City is a blast. We did some of the same touristy things you did, as well. You know, I, my wife had never been there before, so had to go to Times Square and be surrounded by people. Pretty much. And yes. then immediately be like, we gotta get out of Times Square. Um, but I have a, I have a lot of friends who, who live there. So we got to do some like New York people experiences that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Like people who actually live there. Like for example, we went to a Japanese restaurant in the East Village that didn't have a sign and it was in a basement and it was so like the only light you saw was one single candle on each table and it was the dingiest, dirtiest looking place. And it was top five meals I've ever eaten. Um, so stuff like that was great. We did the, um... Museum of Natural History, American Museum of Natural History, whatever the proper name is, they had a mummy exhibit. Nice. Which was amazing. I love mummies. Uh, and we also saw the dinosaurs and all that good stuff. Okay. So. Um, yeah, had a really fun New Yorkish experience, did lots of all those good things, but BEA it was amazing. Um, first, I just want to say my favorite part of any show like this where there's a large amount of authors in one place is you and I get to meet authors pretty frequently, but we still both freak out about it all the time right. privately to ourselves. We try to act like we're, we play it cool on the podcast, but like there's various people we've met. We're like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Alan, Alan coming. Yeah. Mainly. Um, but what's cool is seeing authors do that to each other as well. Um, like I, Somebody that I met, who everyone is going to learn about in the coming months, is this girl Tomy Um She wrote a series of books coming out called *Children of Blood and Bone*. They don't come out till January, so don't bother looking it up. They're not going to be in our show notes because, literally, it's not coming out for six months from now. Uh, she got a—it's very well publicized. She got a really big, like a record book deal and film deal for these books that haven't even been released yet. When I was talking to her, it was just so cool to hear her talk about say, like saying, I met Lee Bardugo and I almost started crying. <laughs> and I met Aww. all these different and, and then I actually talked to Lee Bardugo and she's like, I met an author who I grew up reading and I started crying. Like it's just cool to see these authors who are either very famous in the book world or are going to be and see them fanboy and fangirl mm-hmm. over people as well. Um a story. I I have two fun stories I want to tell. Uh, one, the first night we were there, I was very fortunate. We got to sit down with um, some of our friends at Penguin Random House. Which this is a good time to talk about that because the author at the end of this episode is a Penguin Random House author who you Indeed. spoke with, Sarah Dessen. It's probably in the show headline, it which it should be because <laughs> she's a really big deal. Um, but we were sitting at this publisher's dinner um, at a table with all of these important people at Penguin Random House and it was right in the front of this very large it looks kind of like a wedding hall type of a room it's just like a fancy dinner and we were right by this stage because there was going to be several authors who would be speaking and I'm having this conversation with someone at Penguin Random House and I'm literally like my back is directly in front of the stage so I have to turn around and awkwardly stare up at people's nostrils right. um, all of a sudden this guy starts talking And he's like, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'd like to introduce myself, John Hodgman, to the group. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And I turn around, and John Hodgman, who, if you're not familiar, he was on The Daily Show, and he has an incredible series of podcasts. He was two feet from me telling hilarious stories about himself, because they had this author panel, but they didn't have a host other than John Hodgman. John Hodgman was the host, but John Hodgman also has a book coming out. (laughs) So I guess instead of having someone bring him on, he just chose to introduce himself, nice, which is hilarious. Nice. Um, so that was really fun, and got to hear a number of authors at this uh, speed at this like big presentation. And the cool part was, several of the authors on the panel are going to be on our podcast in the coming months. Nice, was awesome to see. I was like, hey, I know those people and their books. Um, so that was really awesome. And then the other thing that really uh, made tug to my heartstrings is. Everyone knows how much I love Marie KneCamp. She first. was the first author that ever came on our podcast. She was the first author I ever interviewed. Um, the first time I interviewed her was a year and a half ago, and it was at ALA, and no one... That blows my mind. I know. It's crazy. It was, it was literally 18 months <laughs> no, ago. No, I
0: know, but it's just, uh, it's crazy. Yeah.
1: So the part that struck me as amazing about her story is when I interviewed her, her first book, This Is Where It Ends, hadn't even come out yet. And after we got done interviewing, uh, the, publisher, the publisher, Sourcebooks, said, do you want a signed copy mm-hmm. of her book? And I was like, that would be amazing. So I went over to her booth, and there was maybe 10 people in line waiting to get a signed book. And she gave me a book and signed it, and it was I talk about it all the time. I actually put it in a blog I wrote recently for Overdrive. Like, It means a lot to me. Uh, so flash forward 18 months. Her book has obviously come out. She has written a second book that's coming out. Um, at the beginning of next year as well. Uh, she's a New York Times bestseller for over a year straight now. She's been on the New York Times bestsellers list. She was one of the headlining authors of the BEA Children's uh, Children's and Young Adult Author Breakfast. There was like a thousand people at this breakfast to hear her and several others discuss their books. I was just like, It was really cool to see her up there, and she was charming and wonderful like she always is. And then after that, I, my wife was with me, and I was like, I want you to meet Marieke. So we went over to the Sourcebooks booth, and there was this line wrapped around the booth, like multiple times. And so I go up, and I find our, uh, the person we talked to at Sourcebooks, Margaret, who's wonderful. And I was like, hey, how many people are here? and What's going on? And she's like, Marieke is signing her new book. And I asked her, I was like, well, how many people are in And she's like, we have several hundred copies of her book. And we're going to run out because we don't have enough. So seeing this massive line of people for her, and I was like, well, I don't want to bother her. And Margaret's like, no, 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 go say hi. Mm -hmm. So I just go tap her on her shoulder. I'm like, hey, Marie, you have hundreds of people around you. I don't want to bother you. But I just wanted to say hello. She stopped signing books. She's like, hold on, everyone. I need to say hi to Adam. He's one of my favorite people. (laughs) And it was just like one of those moments where seeing someone who was completely unknown 18 months ago and is now like... The bell of the ball when it comes to YA books. And seeing all these people that were just so happy to see her and meet her. um, It was incredible. Um, Same thing, I got to give Lee Bardugo a hug while she was signing 200 copies of her Wonder Woman book.
0: That's pretty magical. Yeah.
1: So there's just seeing the people that we usually only hear on the phone. And then also just seeing all these authors interact with each other it was it's a really cool moment um i didn't say for BookCon, which is an even bigger deal if you're a book fan Um, but if you have ever have a chance to go to an event like that like maybe the american library association or public library association meetings are in your area you don't have to be a librarian to go to those you can get passes to come and hear authors speak and and get books signed and I would highly suggest you try if they're ever in your area, just because it's such a cool experience, and you find out something that Jill and I find out all the time is like these immensely talented authors are just real people, and when we talk to them, you you talk to Sarah Dessen Mm -hmm. today, like you just find out these very famous, very talented, very well-known authors are just sweet people who like talking about writing in their books. So pretty much. That's my rambling. Do you want to talk about Sarah Destin and what you guys? Discussed? Sure. <laughs> so, now that I'll take a I'll take a deep breath and let you talk.
0: Yeah. So um, today's episode is an interview I did with Sarah Destin. It was recorded on uh, Tuesday, which is actually both her book birthday and her actual birthday. So that works out well. Yeah. Um, so her new book is uh, out now. It's called Once and for All, and it's about a teenager who is um, works in the wedding planning business. And she and I talked about. That, and then just sort of writing for young adults um, as well, and what that's like. And we talked about the community of of young adult mm-hmm. writers, which is always so fun to see. It's amazing. They're like all besties. <laughs>
1: They're all best friends. Um,
0: <laughs> like, it's just... A,
1: so, oh what's the the new book that just came out, Um, When Dimple Met Rishi? When Rishi Met Rishi? Oh, Dimple? I know which one
0: you're talking about. I'm uh, not sure of the title.
1: So, the I think it's When Dimple Met Rishi, or The Other Way Around. It's this book that came out like last week and the cover the
0: cover is amazing. The
1: cover is someone drinking like an iced latte with those words on the cover and all of these other YA authors the day of the book the day the book came out they were so excited to share like they all went to different Starbucks and got that written on their Starbucks and are like taking all these Instagram and Twitter pictures and it's amazing. The the young adult author community I know. It's one of my favorite things. Agreed. It's one of the most redeeming Places in the internet for sure.
0: Yes. Anyway, continue. I'm oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So no, we just talked about young adult writing and readers, and um, yeah. So she's she's fun. She was a lot of fun. Uh, she's big. People love Sarah Dessen. Yeah. We have co-workers who love Sarah Dessen. We can call her out It's Emma. Again. Emma loves Sarah Dessen. Um, so, yeah. It mm-hmm. was a good conversation. Yeah.
1: And I will say, so in the coming weeks, we are still traveling more, but Jill and I are traveling together.
0: We are. We're
1: going to the American Library Association meetings in Chicago. In
0: like three weeks. And
1: not even. I think in like two and a half. Oh God, months. it
0: is two weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I have it like is. a week off. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Yeah, it's in two weeks. Um, but I'm so excited. There's a lot going on there that we can't uh... talk about just yet, but um, there will be more big authors. And depending on when we both leave we might have to do like a a thursday episode on the road i was trying to figure out when we leave
0: we have the same we're on the same flights
1: okay well we may if we don't get to it (laughs) we may have to do like a last second something or other but um yeah it's thanks for bearing with one of us in a room at the same time and all that jazz but after
0: ala it should calm down
1: after ala it should calm down um I jokingly said, I also have a million weddings in July, so I, I've told you, I think, several times, I'm excited to take a nap in August, That's Yeah, going to be the best. Um, I also want to give all of our listeners a shout-out. If you have been sending us emails, and a lot of you have, keep them coming, first off. Uh, if you haven't gotten an email back from one of us about recommendations, they're coming, I promise, we, will, we, we see your emails, and we're definitely going to reach out to you, but... If you want to do that you can email us at professionalbooknerds book nerds at com. again let us know your thoughts on any interviews let us know who maybe you'd like to hear from if there's an author out there we haven't talked to yet i don't know um maybe we can get them uh let us know what books you're reading we can try to shoot you some book recommendations um same thing on twitter at pro book nerds um yeah i think that's is that everything i think I that's know. everything so I'm glad to be in a room with you again, Jill. <laughs> Sorry for rambling. That's all right. Um, okay, cool. Well, I'm excited to listen into this episode where you interview Sarah Destin because I wasn't in the room. Um, so, yeah, I hope you guys all enjoy... Actually, before I do that, I laughed really hard at your last episode because I'm always the one who ends the intros with hoping oh, to do this episode well. yeah, I just totally... <laughs> if you guys didn't listen to the last episode, Jill had, like... An internal struggle and I laughed so hard listening to it at the uh, end it made me chuckle yeah so. same thing as like when I start the episode and I try to do the numbers I'm not used to it so
0: it's true, little that is things. true.
1: okay that's it I promise uh, check out Sarah Destin's new book happy belated birthday Sarah and I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast <laughs>
0: And welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. This is Jill and I'm joined by Sarah Dessen, who is the New York Times bestselling author of over a dozen novels for teens, which have received numerous awards and rave reviews. Her books have been published in over 30 countries and have sold millions of copies worldwide. She is a recipient of the 2017 Margaret A. Edwards Award from the American Library Association for Outstanding Contribution to Young Adult Literature, and her latest novel, Once and for All, is out now. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you for having me. So can you sort of kick us off by giving our listeners an introduction to Once and for All? So
2: Once and for All is a novel about a girl named Luna. Luna. Who works for her mom, who runs a wedding planning business. So she's sort of been raised in the wedding planning world, um, and it's her first love has ended sort of tragically. So she's very cynical about love and about romance, which part of that I think is being within the wedding planning too. The, the idea came to me because I was thinking that you know when you're when you're planning your own wedding. You're so obsessed with it, and then it's sort of done. And I thought, what would it be like if you were constantly involved in that world of sort of high stress and wanting everything to be perfect and trying to pull off this ideal day? Um, Would it make you more hopeful about love, or would it make you more cynical?
0: That's actually funny, because I'm actually in the middle of wedding planning right now, and uh, yeah, I don't know if I could handle this all of the time.
2: (laughs) You know, my wedding was 17 years ago this week, next week, and you know, I was, I took a whole year. I was so obsessed with every little detail from like the napkins to the shrimp to everything else, you know. And now all I remember is like, it's sort of a happy blur and the funny stories about the things that didn't go the way that I wanted them to, you right. know. So over time, it's like, it's such a big deal at the time, though. It has to be.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so this is your 13th book. And as I, I made a comment before we started recording, um, the day we're recording this is actually your book birthday and your actual birthday. So happy birthday. Um, thank you, you very much. <laughs> you made a joke on your blog about how your collection of books is now a teenager, which is kind of funny because you write for young adults. And I'm just sort of curious about what made you choose to write for that particular demographic.
2: Well, to be honest, I kind of fell into it. You know, when I was in uh, college, okay. I, I, I was trying to write the kind of stories that everybody was writing in my writing seminars. You know, you get to college and, and you're free from sort of the rules of high school. So everyone's writing very dark stories. with uh-huh. A lot of like people smoking cigarettes and dark trees against the dark sky, you know, heavy stuff and everything. That is very true. And yeah. I was trying to write those kind of stories and, um, it just, they were terrible, you know. And then I wrote one story about the prom, and everybody really liked it. So I, I sort of fell in backwards, you know. I didn't, I didn't enjoy high school. I, I couldn't wait to get out of high school. So there's a true irony to the fact that I still have one foot back in that world every day, pretty much. Um, but, you know, the, I wrote a book with a 15 year old narrator. I did not intend for it to be young adult. I didn't even really know what young adult was. This was, you know, 20 years ago. And my agent said, I think this is young adult. And I was like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a serious adult author. And she's like, just trust me. Um, and she sold it to, you know, a team of a children's book publisher, Viking children's books. And it's just been the perfect place for me. So I'm so glad that I ended up here. Um, but it, it sort of happened accidentally.
0: Your books often touch on, you know, teen romance, but you also have much heavier themes within them, like teen pregnancy, substance abuse um despite these topics though there is still a sort of lightness to your books and I'm curious how you as a writer definitely balance the comedy with the tragedy because you do it very well oh well thank you
2: um well I like a happy ending in a book you know and I think I can't read something that is just dark all the way through I think you need the light and the dark um and so I think especially even as you're writing you need that because in this book in particular there's sort of a thread of tragedy that runs through it. I don't want to give away too much of the book. Right, but of course. So you need the happier stuff to balance that out. I think whenever you're writing something dark, you have to have some lightness for the reader and also for the writer because otherwise it just gets so heavy. So um, I'm, I'm flattered that, that you think I do that well because that's definitely a challenge. But I think I need it as much as the reader does.
0: One of the things I love about the young adult writer community is that you guys are like this really awesome club that just kind of hangs out all together and is very supportive of each other's accomplishments. And I mean, you see it obviously in other um, writer types as well, but what do you think it is specifically about the young adult community? Cause it's just so it is, it's like this awesome club that like anyone can join. And I don't know, it's just so fun to watch and I'm just, I just don't know what it is about young adult writers that kind of makes that happen.
2: Yeah, I think some of it, I don't know if this is still the case, but I think, you know, it used to be that if you were a young adult, you were sort of seen as, oh, you know, that's children's books or, oh, that's writing for teens. You know, it was like the the cool kids, the popular kids were the adult contemporary writers, you know, and we were sort of off to the side, you know, in our own little you know lunch table (laughs) and i think that that bonded all of us you know and that we still i think there's still some people that disparage you know teenage readers and just think oh well it's not real writing i mean we've come a long way you know in that a lot of adult esteemed adult writers are now writing young adult too but like when i first started out you know there wasn't even a teen section at the bookstore it was like Mm -hmm. my books were shelved with corduroy and goodnight moon you know um and now everybody's realizing sort of the power of the teen reader. But I think in the meantime, we were sort of all off by ourselves and, and people maybe looking down their noses a little bit. And so that bonds you. Um, and I do think it's an incredible community. And I feel so lucky to be part of it. I mean, even today, you know, my book is out and my phone has just been blowing up with people t- retweeting about it and stuff, just authors that I admire so much. And I feel very, very fortunate to be part of the community.
0: It's actually interesting you mentioned the bookstore because I'm thinking about when I was in, in high school back in the late 90s and I worked at a public library in my hometown and you had, you know, this library and the majority of it was taken over by adult books and then the children's room had this entire separate room. And then the teens had a wall, (laughs) like just like one, (laughs) not even like a full wall, like a half wall. (laughs) And now if you go, you know, I'm sure that was not uncommon. But now if you go to libraries, um, there are teens get their own room. Like people are are recognizing, um, as you said, the power of the teen reader. I hadn't really considered that before. And I, you know, like and yeah, adults, I think adults are reading them, the YA novels too. I think that's becoming more acceptable as well. Yeah.
2: I think certain books sort of broke down those barriers, obviously Harry Potter, right. you know, um, which was a book that was written for, I don't know. I don't know what you would say, Harry Potter. I'm reading the books with my daughter right now. I don't consider them like a children's book. I don't consider them middle. I don't know what they yeah. are, you know, but they were adi- initially, you know, published by a children's publisher. And so there was that, and then there was Twilight, you know, mm-hmm. which just a lot of adults read, and then The Hunger Games and, you know, The Fault in Our Stars. So I think that all of these books sort of broke down a lot of those barriers. But I, I agree with you. I mean, now there's a whole section of, you know, paranormal romance at the, at the bookstore, which, you know, there's a, there's a section just for that <laughs> in the theme section. So it's become very... Um, it's more and I think the other thing that they realize at bookstores and at libraries is that teens do not want their books near the children's books like most bookstores now you know the teen section is away from the board books and the picture books and stuff And I think that's very smart you know instead of having them all together
0: no that's very true too right because teenagers don't want to be seen necessarily reading what might be considered juvenile or like anywhere near that section that's a good point right right well. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um So one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is I always like asking writers about their writing process. So you you mentioned sort of how this um, once and for all came about, because thinking about wedding planning and doing that all the time, um, you know, do you start with an idea and then kind of see where it takes it from there. Do you have to start with a character? How do you like what is your process for for creating a book?
2: Well, usually the the character comes to me first, and so for me it was this idea of working for a wedding planner. Um, I had two babysitters that were planning weddings at the same time before I was writing this book, and they were very different weddings. One was very big southern, one was more sort of cultural and um, had a lot of rituals from a certain culture, and so I was struck by the similarities, though, and how worried they were about everything, you know, how much they had in common, as much as the weddings were very different. So it sort of started with that, and then the idea of how you would feel about the wedding planning. Um, and then what I usually do is I just sort of stew on it for a little while. I don't ever start a book until I have what I call my skeleton, which is uh, first line, climax, scene, last line. Hmm. Um, and so our last, last theme, you know, so it's sort of the arc because I've started books without knowing where I'm going and they always completely implode, you know? So, um, but I like, I don't outline, I like to leave a lot of space because you never know, like somebody can come walking in on page 75 and be more interesting than anybody else that's been in the book so far. So I don't want to tie myself down to an outline, but, um. And then I just usually just start when I really can't wait to start, you know, when I'm so excited that I can't. And that's usually, you know, after I've had a break from the previous book and, and had a lot of time to watch TV and eat popcorn <laughs> and stuff and you know, not not think about writing. Um, and then I just start, and I write straight through. I know people who jump around and like to, you know, jump past the difficult scene and come back. But I, I like to build from the ground up. My, my husband is a contractor and a builder, and so I always think of that, like you, you need to do your foundation and then you need your floor system and then you need mm-hmm. your framed walls and then you need the second floor. Like I need everything to be able to support what comes after
0: it. Do you have a daily uh, word goal? Do you write for a certain amount of hours every day? Do you write every day?
2: I When I'm working on a book, I ideally am writing every day. Um, I don't do a word goal. I When I first started writing, you know, constantly. Um, after college, I had a morning job where I was an assistant to a local writer named Lee Smith. And then I had my evening job. I was a waitress at a restaurant called The Flying Burrito. Um, and so the only time I had was sort of mid-afternoon. So I sort of have trained my brain that I write from like 2 to 4 or 3 to 4.30. Um, and that's just when I wrote every day. And then I would go to work. And um, and I that's still when I write because I've just trained myself that that's what I do. Um, and I don't really, I can't pay attention to numbers, but for me, it's like a good day is I sit down and I'm writing for a solid hour and a half, but that's about all I have in me, you know, and if things are going well, I'm writing the whole time. Um, but I've tried to do longer. I've tried to be somebody who writes all day and I just can't do it. Um, at the very end of a book when it's kind of like you're on the roller coaster and you get up to that last hill and you can see the whole, you know, track in front of you, then I'll write for several hours because I'm just so excited to finish. But um, for the most part, it's just plodding along my hour and a half a day every day. Um, but, you know, it, it works. It gets me there.
0: You mentioned um, not starting a book until you sort of have your skeleton, which is the first line, the climactic scene and the last scene. Have you ever had any of your books take dramatically divergent turns from that skeleton when you actually start the process of writing the book?
2: Often the last scene is not the last scene that I think it's going to be, you know, but I think I need to have something there as a placeholder. I always compare it to like taking a road trip, you know, you usually don't just get in the car and drive like I'm just going to drive, you know, you have a sense of where you're going. I'm going to the mountains. I'm going to the beach, you know, Um, and then you can sort of stop off here and there if something interesting comes up Um, and so. Often, yeah, the last the last scene will not be what I think it is or the climactic scene, you know, will will end up changing. And then there's some books that you know, I write the whole book and then my editor and I start talking and, and we realize that the whole second half of the book doesn't work. There have been a couple of those and so I have to go back and, and rewrite the whole second half, you know. Um okay. and that's always exhausting and stressful. <laughs> but but, you know, I don't share what I'm working on with anybody while I'm writing which I think comes from being in like uh college writing seminars where you had to hand in your work slowly and everybody just ripped it apart. So I don't show anything to anybody. My husband doesn't even know what my books are about until they're done. And, um, so I, Stephen King has a great quote where he says, you know, you write with the door closed and you edit with the door open. So my door is closed until it's all done. And then I send it off and and I'm ready to hear feedback from people.
0: I'm going to shift gears slightly here. Um, I know that you have been open about your past and your a relationship you had when you were 15 years old with an, an older um, man, and that that experience was one of the seeds that kind of blossomed into your novel, um, saying Anything. I'm not going to, like, sort of make you rehash all of that, but has that part of your past found its way into any other of your novels over the years?
2: Well, I think I went through a dark time, you know, in high school. I was not very happy, you know, um, and yeah, we, we hung out, me and my girlfriends, you know, we had sort of this older group of guys, and you know, when you're a teenager, you feel like your parents are still treating you like a child, you know, and you feel like you're not a child, you're an adult, and so we had this group of guys that we knew who were in their early 20s, and they treated us like adults, you know, um, and so it, it wasn't like a relationship, he wanted it to be a relationship, but for me, it was sort of like, oh, this person thinks I'm interesting, and this person thinks I'm mature and everything, and then suddenly you're in over your head, you know. And, and, you know, at the time now, as an adult, I can be like, you know, a 21-year-old shouldn't really be wanting to hang out with a 15-year-old, you know. Right. Um, At 21, I didn't really want to be spending, you know, all my best friends to be teenagers. Um, But I think when you're a girl in particular – you're raised to be sweet and to be nice and to not make waves and not hurt people's feelings and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I got in over my head in this relationship, and I always wanted to write about it, um, but I wasn't sure. It's hard for me to write about my own experiences totally. So I was able to sort of insane anything. My narrator, Sydney, her brother's best friend is very similar, like just sort of this creepy you just get a bad sense. I think mm-hmm. as an adult now, if I meet someone who is creepy or, you know, I just have a bad vibe about, I'm like, okay, no, you know, and I'm yeah. able to walk away and, and just shut that down. But I think when you're 15, you're still navigating how you deal with people. Um, and and you want to, you feel excited that somebody who's older is paying attention to you and and thinks that you're an equal, you know, but but then quickly you can get in over your head, as I did.
0: Right. Uh, I think it, You know, listening to that, and from the the article that I I read, the interview you gave um, about that, where you go a little more into detail, that's certainly something that I think I and a lot of girls and women can sort of identify with, is having sort of been in that position of wanting to feel wanted and and getting maybe the wrong kind of attention, I guess. Um, Right. And you've said in other interviews that you felt invisible in high school and you were the quiet one, which is how I would describe myself and also a writer. And I'm just like, I wonder if there's some correlation between that, like though, like that personality type and being a writer, as if we sort of retreat into these imaginary worlds because the real one is so difficult for us to navigate.
2: I think so. And, you know, I had a group of of very dynamic girlfriends, very confident. I think that's why I have these dynamic best friend characters, you know, because my friends were all very confident and I sort of trailed along behind them. I was the oracle. You know, I I remembered all the stories Mm -hmm. and and sort of kept track of everything in that way. But I think you're right. I think most of the people that I know that are writing young adults were not happy in high school and we're all sort of trying to write our way out of it. Um, You know, I, I think, you know, maybe some people my, one of my best friends from high school always said that she didn't trust anybody who loves high school. <laughs> she meets somebody who said, Oh, I love high school. And she's like, not my people. <laughs> so, um, but I think that some people, you know, everybody's experience is different, but there was definitely a darkness to those years for me. And I think it's, it's, it's definitely played into the, the work that I do and the stories that I write. And that particular issue, you know, it was scary to talk about what had happened to me in that relationship. And, um, you know, it never, it never got dangerous, but it was sort of, I, I finally had to just say, I cannot be with this person anymore. Right. Like, he makes me really uncomfortable. And luckily, my family and my friends supported that, and, and I was able to get myself out of it. But I was really scared talking about that, because I thought it's, it's just such a personal sort of thing. And, and I was amazed at how much feedback I got from that article. I think it was in, um, 17 Online or right. something like that. You know, so many, and then when after the book came out, so many girls coming through the the signing line and and at my events saying, "I was the same. Same thing happened to me. Thank you for writing about that. You know, it's, just, it's not just me." So I was really as as vulnerable as I felt putting it out there. I feel like it it did serve a really good purpose.
0: Have any of your other real life high school experiences made it into your books? I'm trying to think. Well, you know, I. I mean, I know you said it's difficult for you to, like, write your own experiences, but...
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, it's funny because, you know, people assume that everything that I write about actually happens to me. You know, like, in Dreamland, I think, uh, my book Dreamland, which came out a long time ago, but um, my narrator, Caitlin, kind of goes into this downward spiral. And that that was as close as I've come to my own. Like, she ends up in, a, in an abusive relationship, which did not happen to me. But she kind of self-medicates to deal with the pain that she's feeling and everything. And that was definitely where I was um, in this very sort of disassociating myself from everything. But I think all of my characters have a little bit of me in them, you know. But what happens to me is, like, it's very hard for me to write about my own experience. Like... I would love to write a memoir. I would love to write some more essays and stuff, but it's just too close. It's like, it's more fun to sort of take what has happened and turn it into something else, be able to pad it a little bit. So it's not just about me.
0: For our listeners who may currently be in high school or sort of around that age and are one of those quiet teenagers who feel invisible, do you have any advice for them? Well, I always say that, you know, if you don't
2: have it all together in high school or you're not having a good time, that is so okay. It's not normal. You know, I think especially with, I mean, we didn't have Instagram and, you know, social media, which, like, shows everybody having all this fabulous time. I can't even imagine, you know. And I always say to people when I go back and speak at high schools, I say, you know, high school is short and life is long. And, you know, there's so much pressure, I think, to, like, know what you're going to do in college and, you know, know what your major is going to be and think about the future, but you have time. It's okay. You know, I I think I, I was such a mess in high school. I really like nobody thought that I would even like survive. (laughs) And here I am, you know, and I'm a happy person and I feel like things have worked out well, you know? So I think don't put so much pressure. Don't, don't feel like you have to have it all together. You have a lot more time than you realize. And this is just a very short period part, a short period of, what ideally is going to be a long life with a lot of opportunities. So just hang in there, you know, and and, and know that, that it does get better and that things things do improve and you have a lot more time. It's not always going to be like this.
0: It's wonderful. Thank you. So at the end of all of our episodes, interviews, we have what we call the nerd nine, which are um, nine, uh, not really rapid fire, but don't put too much thought into them questions, Okay. Okay. So what is the last book you finished reading?
2: Um, it was called uh, Rabbit Cake by Annie Barnett, I think is her name. And it's a great, great book. It's a, it's a book about a girl whose mother passes away, which is not a happy subject. But, um, but it just the voice is just amazing. And I'm sort of telling everybody that they need to read it. It's fantastic.
0: Your favorite place to read?
2: Um I have a bed in my office and I try to read every afternoon for a little while up there and it's just unlike my house, which is always total chaos with like <laughs> dogs and madness, you know, my office is very quiet and peaceful. So that's where I like to
0: read. Do you have a guilty pleasure?
2: Ugh, the Real Housewives franchise. That's... I watch all of the house, house ones. every single one. I'm in New York right now, and it's my dream to see a Real house. <laughs> house. Like I'm just really hoping that happens.
0: That's, that's <laughs> a good answer. Uh, one place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet?
2: Oh, Italy! I haven't really been to Europe since I was a kid, and I we've been watching Master of None. I don't know if you watch <laughs> that show, and they have all these amazing Italian stuff this year, and I just I would love to go to Italy.
0: Favorite holiday?
2: uh fourth of july i'm a summer girl so i love a good cookout
0: are you a coffee or a tea drinker
2: i am a coffee drinker i have and i i you know i I love coffee drinks but they really make me just stick to the ceiling so i'm mostly
0: just a black coffee person (laughs) i think i know the answer to this one but cats or dogs oh dogs yeah
2: i i i don't dislike cats but my mom was allergic so i grew Um, up with
0: dogs and i have two dogs that makes sense your favorite food um oh
2: gosh what's my favorite food? it would be pizza or french fries probably
0: <laughs> if you could have dinner with one person yeah if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive who would you pick
2: oh this is so hard well you know like i said right now uh, we're reading harry potter um and i sort of missed the boat earlier on harry potter so i'm obsessed with it so <laughs> it would be jk Rowling for sure
0: finally what do you hope readers take away from reading once and for all
2: Well, I hope they realize that, like, you're not ever going to have everything perfect. You know, you're not going to have the perfect wedding. You're not going to have the perfect romance. You know, and and that really the best stories and the best, you know, the best things are often the imperfect things. So, you know, I think that is the overreaching theme of the whole book. And, um... You know, like, even if you want your wedding to be perfect, it's not going to be. You want your life to be perfect, it's not going to be. But it's these little moments that really make up a life, and, and those are what what is important.
0: That's perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Sarah. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.